Hey, we're on the last chapter of 1 Kings today, kind of bringing that chapter to a close, literally. Um, so let's just go to the Lord. Let's, let's pray. Let's ask for his help here. <clears throat> Lord, we just thank you for uh, just the time of singing to you. Um, it, it's just so good to sing the truth and just to be reminded, too, that you're coming and your reward is with you. You're coming soon. And uh, today, obviously, a day sooner than yesterday. And uh, Lord, help us just to live our lives in light of the fact of your return. And um, Lord, help uh, those of us that know Christ as Savior to just live every day to the fullest with biblical priorities. And um, Lord, we just we pray that you'd help us as a church family just to also um, to to encourage those that are are struggling, maybe in our midst that are having trouble physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually, maybe struggling, and, and just to be there to lift them up, to encourage them, challenge where needed. Um, and, and so, Lord, we just pray for those that need your healing touch, too. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would, would heal them. And, uh, Lord, we, we pray, God, for our church uh, here that you would help us to, to be a light to the community here. We pray, God, that you draw people uh, here to this place and also to the people that attend here just scattered all around. And uh, we pray that you would be glorified through everything we're doing. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, <clears throat> you know, a lot of this last year, one of the um, phrases I heard a lot about, regardless of kind of, where you stood on an issue, because there were issues that were being and still are debated, and, or whether it's a, a candidate or something, was the phrase echo chamber. Did you hear, hear that phrase a lot commented on? At least I did on Facebook a lot. Like, you're just in an echo chamber, meaning uh, you're just hearing, you're in a place where everybody that you are around agrees with you on these things, and that's all you're hearing. You're not hearing anything else, and so you're really not getting the full story maybe, or maybe you're, you have, you're, the story you're hearing is just partial, you know? Um, and, and so this, this idea of being around people that tell you what you want to hear too uh, has gripped me. When I, when I read this particular chapter, that's what I get. King Ahab, right, who's been a kind of the, uh, a, this person that we focused in on a lot these last few chapters, he is really only interested in having people around him that are going to tell him how great he is, and they don't want to tell him, you know, anything that he's doing wrong, right? And so this is really uh, his, uh, is, a, is a big problem. It's a heart problem, but it's manifesting itself in not wanting to hear the hard things. Not wanting to hear the hard things, the truth be told. And so, uh, so I'm going to read for you the first nine verses just to get us uh, into the chapter a little bit to see kind of what's going on. And then from there, we're going to hit some verses as we go along, but we're not going to read all the verses uh, in the chapter together, okay? So, but uh, here, here's, here we go, the first nine verses. Uh, for three years, there was no war between Aram and Israel. Then during the third year, King Jehoshaphat of Judah went to visit King Ahab of Israel. Now here, uh, we haven't heard about King Jehoshaphat for a while, right? Everything that we've been focusing in is on, on all the terrible kings in the north. 
which, you know, remember we have the divided kingdom is the name of the series, right? Because now God's kingdom has been divided, uh, literally, the northern uh, tribes, right? Uh, Israel, the southern tribe of Judah. Uh, and so, and, and that northern tribe, Israel, the king is, is King Ahab. The southern tribe right now, the, the tribes, the, that king is Jehoshaphat. But here they are getting together, all right? So this is kind of fascinating. Verse 3, during the visit, the king of Israel said to his officials, do you realize that the town of Ramoth-Gilead belongs to us, and yet we've done nothing to recapture it from the king of Aram? So there's a particular city that's of particular interest to them uh, that used to be theirs but was taken away. Uh, They have not retaken. So he's just bringing this fact up with the other king. Then he turned to Jehoshaphat and asked, Will you join me in battle to recover Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, Why, of course, you and I are as one. My troops are your troops, and my horses are your horses. Verse 5, then Jehoshaphat added, But first, let's go out, let's find out what the Lord says. Verse 6, so the king of Israel summoned the prophets, about 400 of them. Now remember, king of Israel equals Ahab. Uh, So he summoned the prophets, about 400 of them, and asked them, should I go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, or should I hold back? They all replied, yes, go right ahead. The Lord will give the king victory. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there not also a prophet of the Lord here? We should ask him the same question. So he's like, I know there's another guy around here. You know, we'd like to hear from him too. Verse 8, the king of Israel replied to Jehoshaphat, Yes, there is one more man who could consult the Lord for us, but I hate him. <laughs> he never prophesied anything but trouble for me. His name is Micaiah, son of Imla. Jehoshaphat replied, That's not the way a king should talk. Let's hear what he has to say. He's really calling him out here, right? Uh, so now you kind of get the vibe that Ahab's really not into hearing things that's going to reflect poorly on him or even telling him that he's doing anything wrong. So verse 9, the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, quick, bring Micaiah, son of Imla. So now they're sending off a messenger to get him. Okay. So this kind of sets up uh, the chapter. There's a mission that these guys want to do. They want to recapture one of their cities. Uh, But uh, Jehoshaphat, right, he is the one who's like, hey, let's let's seek the Lord first on this. I mean, what a great example, right? Uh, you want to take on this big endeavor? Let's seek the Lord. See if we, we uh, he, this is something he wants us to do, right? And back then, what you would do is you would, you know, would seek out one of his prophets, um, and that's how God spoke to his people through his prophets then, right? Uh, and then you would just find out, well, is this what God would want? But, uh, you know, Ahab really, uh, surrounded himself with these prophets who always told him what he wanted to hear. And these guys are just saying, yeah, sure, go for it, right? All right, so um, and so Micaiah is this prophet uh, who always tells them, no matter what, this is what the Lord says, all right? And this is what a great example, just always standing for the truth no matter what, right? No matter how popular it's going to be. Uh, and, and in this case, you know, you never know, he might lose his life, all right? So, now, I want to take a look at four things as we kind of dive into what's happening here. And one is just that uh, the Word of God, God's Word, exposes us. 
And the word of the Lord here coming through the prophet was really, um, in this circumstance, was exposing um, Ahab's character, really shining the light on it. And the word of God really has that effect, right? It, 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 um, if we're in the darkness and the word of God comes in, uh, it's shining a light and it's exposing uh, whether it's sin in our life or a wrong attitude, whatever it might be, it really does, um, and some people use uh, the word convict. It convicts us. It, we, we, we sense uh, that I'm not right with God on this issue or whatever it might be, right? And, and the Word of God is like that. In verses 7 and 8, uh, we see this exposure coming in here on um, on, uh, on Ahab, right? Jehoshaphat saying, is there also a prophet, right? That here we should ask him the question. Uh, and then, but, but then what we really see again is that Ahab has no interest in hearing from this guy. He has a history of telling him bad news. And it's not just bad news. It's really telling him the truth. It's just that in most cases for Ahab, it was bad news because he was just, you know, just a major screw up. I mean, that's nice saying it nicely, right? We, as we've seen here. He's just not followed God. God's been trying to be patient with him. He's been gracious to him, giving him lots of chances to turn to him and to try to turn the people of God back to worshiping the one true God. But he's really just not listening, right? Now, so let's, let's relate this to ourselves here. Uh, God's word has an exposing effect on us as well, right? Not just in this instance here. And the verses that I thought about that reflect this is in, from the New Testament are in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Listen to this. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And this is talking about God's people in the Old Testament. They disobeyed him and they were, the result uh, was God's discipline and they would be wandering around in the desert right, for 40 years. So, and the problem, you know what their problem was? It boiled down to unbelief. That was really their problem. They, they just were not believing God. They did not trust him, which boils down to unbelief. And so, so the writer of Hebrews is saying, let's not, let's, let's not fail to enter our rest, uh, you know, uh, which would be our salvation and so on. He's saying, and also being in heaven with God, ultimately, and then he says, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And this is really telling us the nature of God's word. And so for us, right, we're getting this through the scriptures, right? God has spoken to us through his word. And he's telling us the nature of God's word is it's, it's living, it's active. It's, it, it, yes, it's words on a page, but the truth there is powerful, okay? The word of God changes people's lives, right? I've, I've heard people just reading the Bible. Uh, I know of one person that was reading Romans, and they realized just how far from God they were and how God was drawing them to himself and just by reading the scriptures, gave their life to Christ. And, but also the word of God for, for the believers, for someone who already knows Christ as Savior, it, it, he is constantly uh, refining us, making us more Christ-like. And the word of God is that light that shines on us. When you're having your, your time with God and your devotional time and you're reading the scriptures, 
And we need to really adjust our mindset uh, if we don't have the right mindset. And that, sometimes our mindset is, well, I'm just going to read this stuff. And, and yes, you have to read that stuff. But the idea is, do you realize what you're reading? It's the words of God. They are God's words to you. And you need to see, uh, you know, with that attitude and that love and reverence to see what God has to say to you, okay? Um, which, is, which is way different than approaching it from like a textbook, like I'm going to learn some information. And you do learn information, but <clears throat> any knowledge that we get from the Scriptures and, and, and kind of acquire a, a theology or whatever is not meant to just remain here. It's meant to be transformational. Our theology, our knowledge should affect everything in our lives, our behavior, our attitudes, everything. And so, so what we see here is this Word of God is always working, always working. We have no idea, right? Um, <clears throat> we were talking about this here not too long ago. I was talking with somebody just saying that, you know, you have no idea um, the person that you're interacting with now may you know, it, it, for the gospel's sake, may year later, years later, just kind of God will just, the light bulb will come on, right? And so your part is to, to just simply be faithful with the opportunities God's, God gives you, but just realizing that the Word of God is powerful. And Nick, talking about teaching kids in kick or clubhouse or whatever, um, that's ministry, okay? I know that's, it's not babysitting, it's ministry. Okay? Deposits are being made into those young lives, right? Uh, and will have eternal consequences, right? Uh, and so it's a saying that in the Word of God, we need to see that as when we share the Word, when we take in the Word, it's powerful, it's working, whether we see the results or not. And um, so as we look at this last verse, verse 13 there in Hebrews 4, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And just saying, you know, that word of God, it's like, it's like the searchlight, right? And it's, it's, uh, uh, he, he's turning it on us as we read it, as we hear it preached. Uh, this, is, this is, you know, however you're taking it in, may God help us have the right attitude, the attitude of reverence, and, and it's that God's speaking. When the word is going out, God is speaking. Okay? That's, that's critical because, um, you know, for Ahab, the king of Israel, he was just kind of going through the motions. He had his yes men. He didn't want to hear anything different, right? But the word of God was exposing him. This one prophet, right, is going to be exposing him. So uh, let's, <clears throat> let's see what he, he says here as we go on. All right, so what happens is they run and get this guy, okay? Uh, and let me just read a few verses here before we get to this uh, particular place. Uh, let me see here. Okay, so verse 11 of that chapter says, one of them, this is one of the prophets of, um, of Ahab, one of the guys of the yes men, it says, one of them, Zedekiah, son of Can Canna, excuse me, Kenana, 
made some iron horns and proclaimed, this is what the Lord says, with these horns you will gore the Arameans to death. And again, another false prophecy. All the other prophets agreed, yes, they said, go up to Ramoth Gilead and, uh, and be victorious, for the Lord will give the king victory. All right, verse 13. Meanwhile, the messenger who went to get Micaiah, remember Micaiah, the one guy who always says the word of the Lord no matter what, um, went to get Micaiah, says, said to him, so this is what the messenger says to Micaiah. Listen, he says, look, all the prophets are promising victory for the king. Get in line, okay? He's saying, you need to say the same thing, right? Uh, verse 14, but Micaiah replied, as, the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what the Lord tells me to say. Right? He's faithful, faithful prophet, right? I can't lie. I'm going to say what the Lord says. Verse 15, when Micaiah arrived, here's where we go. We pick up with this one. Uh, in the, in here, I've got the verse here. When Micaiah arrived before the king, Ahab asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should we hold back? Micaiah replied sarcastically. Now, that's not, that's not going to be in the ESV, all right? Uh, but what, he's fig what they're figuring, I think, when the NLT did this and did some translation for us was that he's not, he's not going to say what he's going to say unless it was sarcastic, okay? Now, listen to what he says. Um, it says, um, Micaiah replies sarcastically, yes, go up and be victorious for the Lord will give the king victory. All right, so they're interpreting that for us is that, he, that you know, he's not telling them the truth, okay? Verse 16, but the king replied sharply, how many times must I demand that you speak only the truth to me when you speak for the Lord? Isn't this weird? <laughs> I mean, is this weird or what? I mean, he's like, this guy always telling me bad news. Now that we brought him in here, he detects that he's not really telling him the truth. Now he's like, I, dang on it, how many times have I told you? Tell me what God is saying, right? And so, uh, so this is what's going on. And the thing I was thinking about this, and this is the point here, that we recognize God's word when we hear it. This guy, he knew. He knew that you know, this Micaiah guy was not, that the prophet of the Lord was not telling him straight up what was supposed to be happening. And so, and so there was something in him that knew the truth, right? And, and that happens, right? It's like when we hear the word of God, the true word of God, and, and, and it convicts or it encourages or whatever it's sent out to do, right? We know it's the word of the Lord. Now, we may kind of, some people may push it away. They may initially recognize, yeah, that's right, but then deny it and push it down. That's what uh, actually Romans chapter 1 says, they deny the truth, right? Um, and so, and that can happen, but there's this initial uh, acknowledgement, yeah, that's, I know that's right. That's the word of the Lord. And so this is what's happening, right? And so um, let me just read for you what, what, uh, what the word of the Lord really said, okay? So here it says, verse 17 uh, of uh, 1 Kings 22. Then Micaiah told him, in a vision, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. That's verse 17. And the Lord said, their master has been killed. Send them home in, in peace, uh, didn't I tell you the king of Israel exclaimed to Jehoshaphat, he never prophesies anything but trouble for me. Then Micaiah continued, listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the armies of heaven around on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who can entice Ahab to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he could be killed? We're, we're getting a picture of what something is happening in the heavenlies here, okay? 
But God's saying, like, who's going to go down and deceive Ahab? Because this is going to happen. How's it, you know, and so, and so it says then, um, uh, verse 21, Finally, a spirit approached the Lord and said, uh, I can do it. How will you do this, the Lord asked. And the spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, said the Lord. Go and do it. So you know, this is the sovereignty of God. He's sovereign over all. But he's, these beings, the spirit, are carrying this out. Okay, so we need to see that God is in control of all this stuff. Okay, and you're going to see, you're going to see here in a second, Ahab's going to try to dodge the bullet. You can't dodge the bullet that's meant for you. Okay, you're going to see. All right, so it says, then Zedekiah, son of Cananiah, uh, walked up to Micaiah and slapped him across the face. All right, he's the guy, remember, he's the guy that said, you got to go along with the other prophets. And when he didn't, he just went, right? All right. Okay, so, so here we have, so, so again, let's think about this. Recognizing the Word of God when we hear it. It's, it's, uh, there's an example of this in the New Testament, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, chapter 13. The, the Thessalonian church was a great example. I, mean, I, I really I can't, I can't even think of one negative thing that Paul says about this church. It's just always a glowing report. Um, and so here's what uh, he said, Paul said about the Thessalonians, he said, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, so they heard the word from Paul, right? Aren't we talking about hearing the word and acknowledging it and, and knowing it, right? So he says, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is what Work, which is at work in you believers. So he's, he's just saying, listen, this church, this group of people, we thank God for you because you received what we were sharing with you as for what it was. It wasn't our words. We were speaking for God, and you received it as such, and it changed your life, right? So they, they recognized that it was the Word of God. Now, um, if you have put your faith in Christ, uh, you're a child of God, you have a relationship with God, um, then the following verse will be true of you. It says, my sheep, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. Okay? If, if you know Christ as Savior, you're in his sheepfold, right? And you're going to recognize your shepherd's voice. Okay? And, you'll, and so this is what we're talking about is this, is, is just being aware of the, the Word of God coming uh, to us, right? And, and as we read the Scriptures and we know it's true, it's a matter of what do we do with it, right? That's really the thing, right? So the only question really uh, here, and let me get to verse 28. I didn't say that. He says, I give them, meaning those sheep that are in his fold, I give them, Jesus says, eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's a great promise, isn't it? Right? Once you're in the sheepfold of God, once you put your faith in Christ, you're secure in Him. Right? Um, some people use the phrase, once saved, always saved. That's, and this is one of the verses that would be used to kind of illustrate that, right? is Jesus saying that. Another one is where Jesus talks about you know, how the Father has given us, those who are believers, to Him, and that we're in His hand, and, and no one could get them out of the Father's hand. Right? You know, this is a great illustration of security. Uh, in, in our faith. And so, so 
So here we have, we recognize God's word when we hear it. Now, I wanted to say something here. You know, Ahab had the bad habit that a lot of people have today, and that is they tend to um, adjust their theology to match what they want to happen in their lives. In other words, if they want to live a certain way, then, and it doesn't initially match up with what the Scripture says, then they will modify what the Scripture says or say there's a different understanding, okay? Now, granted, uh, there are wrong understandings and right understandings of Scripture, and there are some things that are uncertain. I'll grant you that, right? But, but just, I, I'm just saying that I have seen this many times over. Um, someone who's maybe makes a profession of faith in Christ, and, go start, and, and as the years go by, they make a decision, right? They make a decision uh, that's, that's not in alignment with the Scriptures. And what they will say is that, well, what that says isn't true, or we've had a misunderstanding of what the Bible says on that, and therefore it now is in alignment with my life, okay? And it's sad. It's sad, but it happens all the time. It happens all the time. The time I remember Thomas Short one time sharing about, uh, and Tom Shortman is kind of like an itinerant preacher. If you don't know him, he goes out on college campuses and open air preaches. And he was talking about somebody said, "Well, I used to believe, but I don't believe in God anymore." And and through the course of the conversation, this guy uh, said, um, "Well, Tom, Tom said, well, when about when was it that you stopped believing?" And uh, he said, "Well, about the time I moved in with my girlfriend." You know, and that's that's true, by the way. And, and so he's just saying, well, oh, you know, so you could see that there was something at play there, right? And but and I'm not like making fun of that situation at all, but I'm trying to draw it to our attention. Satan loves to twist the scripture. We just need to read it for what it says, but we do need to seek to understand it well, okay? And we can misunderstand it. We need to do our due diligence to study the Scriptures, make sure that we're, we're digging in, okay? But, but, but being aware that there will be a temptation to adjust beliefs to maybe be more accommodating to certain situations or even things that, that we, we would like to, uh, we're tempted to do or ways to live. Does that make sense? This is, this is a very common thing now, and so we just have to be careful Okay, this is where it's important to live in community, to guard each other, right? Um, it's very important. All right, so um, the third thing that's going on here is just to realize to ignore, ignoring the Word of God has consequences. Ignoring the Word of God has consequences. So what's, what happens then, so, you know, just to kind of shut Micaiah up, they throw Micaiah in the slammer, okay? <laughs> it's just, I mean, you can see it. It's like, I don't want to hear what he's got to say. We're going to make sure he's not spreading this stuff. We're going to throw him in the slammer. They put him in there. Um, and uh, there was something I was going to read to you about that. Where is it here? Oh, okay. Um, so verse, verse 25 says, And Micaiah replied, You will soon find out 
you will soon find out enough when you are trying to hide in some secret room. He's kind of talking back to this Zedekiah who, was met, who slapped him. And in verse 26, arrest him, the king of Israel ordered, take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to my son Joash. Give them this order from the king. Put this man in prison and feed him nothing but bread and water until I return safely from the battle. But Micaiah replied, if you return safely, it will mean that the Lord has not spoken through me. Does it mean that, right? Because it's either right or it's wrong. <laughs> His word from, was either from the Lord that said, you're not coming back, right? Because that, that's, what, that's what the word of the Lord was really saying there when he had, was given this vision, right? Of all Israel scattered on the mountains, verse 13, like sheep without a shepherd. Their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. The master is the king, right? The people of Israel are the people of that kingdom. They're without a shepherd. That means that, means that uh, Ahab's not coming back, right? So, so uh, uh, anyway, so he's, he's thrown into jail, and he's saying, uh, you know, you're, you're not coming back. Well, we'll find out who's, who's telling the truth here, basically, right? So verse 29, so King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah led their armies against Ramoth Gilead. So they're moving forward, moving forward here. Uh, and it says, verse 30, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, as we go into battle, I will disguise myself so no one will recognize me. <laughs> he really knows it's true. I mean, why would he disguise himself? Do you see this? I mean, this is just kind of crazy. I mean, if it's not the word of the Lord, then you just go as usual. You put your royal robes on. You go into battle like you normally do. You don your stuff like you normally do. But he just, he just I mean, deep down, he knows, okay? And so, uh, so he says, I will disguise myself so no one will recognize me. But you, you, King Jehoshaphat, you wear your royal robes. <laughs> I want them to see you. You're the king. They want to kill you. Yeah. So, uh, so the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Meanwhile, the king of Aram had issued these orders to his 32 chariot commanders. Attack only the king of Israel. Don't bother with anyone else. Verse 32. So when the Aramean chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they went after him. Right? They're thinking he's the king of Israel. Uh, they shouted, but Jehoshaphat called out, the chariot commanders realized he was not the king of Israel, and they stopped chasing him. All right, verse 34. An Aramean soldier, however, randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troops and hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Uh, and then it says, turn, he said, turn the horses and get me out of here. Ahab groaned to the driver's chariot, I'm badly wounded. Right, well, so then he, he, he bleeds out and dies. All right, and so... We know it's not a random arrow, okay? But from a human standpoint, you know, this, my kid is one of these guys that's out there, you know, I mean, just, but one got right between the, the pieces of armor, right? You, you cannot, thwart. if God says something's going to happen, it's happening, right? Uh, and that's, it's a, it's a sad story, right? But it, we're seeing that the, the word of the Lord is true, regardless of whether you want to receive it or not, okay? The result, there are consequences for not putting yourself under it and submitting to it, right? Uh, and, I, and I think that that is, is something that we need to remember as believers, right, uh, is that, you know, you know, this idea of picking and choosing what we will submit to and not in the Word of God is just, there, there are consequences for that. Uh, it's 
probably not going to be an arrow through your armor, okay? But, you know, I don't know what it would be, but, but, but when, we, when we read the Scriptures, and Jesus tells a story about this, and that's where we're going next, uh, Matthew 7, uh, just this idea of consequences uh, here. It says, everyone, that who hear, everyone then who hears these words of mine, and this is Jesus speaking, everyone who hears these words of mine and does, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Right? So here you have this imagery right, of Jesus saying, if you do these words of mine, if you not only hear them and know that they're mine, but you act on them, he's like, your life will be on a solid foundation. Okay? He's not saying that you won't have troubles. He's not saying that you're not going to have difficulty in your life. But he's saying, you know, your life will be on a solid foundation from which to live by, right? And I'm, there's a blessing, basically, that comes from uh, following God, right? And, and uh, putting him first and having the right biblical priorities. Then in verse 26, uh, Jesus says, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And so you just see, you know, you think about this, it's a tragedy, right? Uh, when someone experiences, um, you know, their life is just crumbling. Maybe they've lost their family, maybe because of what they've done. Maybe they've Maybe they've just, you know, they've lost their health because of what they've done. And he's just saying, great is the fall. Right? And what we need to see, uh, it's a couple things. One is just that I hope we see as believers that God always has our best in mind and his word is always the best for us. And that following it, obeying it is a life to be on a solid foundation, Right? But also, we need to realize this, you know, we've said this before, right? The church is a life-saving station, and we will, we will meet people, we will work with people, we will be around people, and maybe you were one of the people at one time where your life was in shambles because you were, you were not living according to the Word of God. You, maybe you didn't even know about the Word of God, and you didn't know the gospel and all that. And so, so I'm kind of saying the other side is that you know, we need to be ready to, uh, to help people whose lives are just fallen, have fallen apart, right? And, and, to, and to, to, to not only help them, but to give them the gospel to say that, hey, you know, there's, a, there's another way, right? There's another way, and that's the way of Jesus, and he's come so that you can have life and have it abundantly and you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how this is all going to work out in your life after all the things that have happened, but I know he can take you from here, right? Because I know there are people in this room, right? <laughs> you know, it's just so funny because we all have a story. Uh, if you know Christ as Savior, we all have some kind of a story, right, of how God worked to bring us where we are. And there's always some kind of brokenness there. Right, we, we because usually it's that brokenness, that 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 sin, uh, that 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 draws us to seek God, 
that God uses to draw us himself. And so, so see this as a warning, obviously, right? That there's blessing in obedience, right? But also to recognize that um, God has sent us here into this world to help people whose lives are broken and to take the gospel to them and to not only bring them words, but to bring them deeds as well. But to rec- but not, not to downplay the power of the gospel, okay? Because we want to give people Jesus and, and we want to help them, right? And, 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 and it's both, okay? So, there are consequences there. The last thing I want to mention here is as we, we go along here, and of course, Ahab lost his life. That was obviously an extreme case of, of, of him having consequences for not listening to what he knew was the Word of God. He just denied it. He, he's like I, don't, it's like, I don't care about it. Uh, I'll even try to manipulate it, but it didn't happen, right? Uh, but just to realize this, that our lives will be measured against God's Word. Okay? Our lives will be measured against God's Word. All right, now let's see um, here in this passage, as, we, as you get towards the end of the chapter, it starts giving some commentary on some of the people, okay? And so I just want to look at a couple of those here. In verse um, 43, Jehoshaphat, right? King Jehoshaphat was a good king following the example of his father Asa. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. That's what I want you to look at. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He was a man of God. He, 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 saw, he wasn't perfect. You'll find some, some things he did wrong, but he wasn't perfect. But he really wanted to do the will of God. And he has a, it says he, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Which, which just tells me, right, that, that the comment, this commentary that's being made in the, in the chapter of Jehoshaphat is saying how we live our lives right, as believers, right, that the Word of God is the measuring stick. For us. And we're going to show you a verse here in the, in the Scriptures that talks about this. Now, I'm not talking about our salvation. Our salvation is a secure in Christ. Right? If you put your faith in Christ, it's, it, your deeds don't make you any, any better before God. What we're talking about now, though, is, 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 is reward, okay? the future. Um, so now let's see, look at another person here, uh, Ahaziah, son of Ahab. So Ahab died. Son takes his place. Here's the commentary on him. He said, He began to rule over Israel in the 17th year of King Jehoshaphat's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria two years, verse 52, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Following the examples of his, fa- of his father and mother and the example of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who had led Israel in, uh, to sin. So, again, he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Right? He didn't carry out the word of God. He, didn't, he did not live his life on the foundation of God's Word, right? As we're talking about back in Matthew 7, all right? Now, let's reflect back to us as believers, right? 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is the believer's judgment, okay? Not the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is for uh, people that don't believe, okay? This is... This is the, this, uh, the judgment seat of Christ. That's us 
uh, coming before the Lord as believers, those who are secure in our salvation, right? It says, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so this is, he's saying there, you know, our, so our deeds, right? Our deeds will be judged in the, in the sense of reward, okay? And there in Revelation, right, what does Jesus say as the book's coming to a close? Behold, I'm coming quickly and what? My reward is with me. My reward is with me, is what he says there towards the end of Revelation. And so uh, we, we need to recognize as believers that this is how our lives will be evaluated. Okay? We're already, uh, if we put our faith in Christ, we're already saved. We already have a secure relationship with God. But what's the basis of reward? It's about things that are done in the name of Jesus and done with the right attitude and, uh, and, and all that, right? And, and this is what he's saying. And we need to see here because he's saying here, this person, right, the, uh, Ahab's son, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Jehoshaphat, his life, you could say oh, he had a good foundation, right? Because he got praise for what he did. Right? So, I really think the big takeaway for all of us ought to be this, is that anytime, anytime we're in a place or in a position to be hearing the Word of God or reading it, our mindset needs to be, this is the Word of the Lord. This is not just a textbook. This is God's words. This is His will, right? I don't have to wonder on so many things in life about how He wants to live my life because He has said so many clear things in the Scripture about my relationships and how I'm to love people, how I'm to forgive, how, uh, how, what's, my, what's a marriage supposed to be like, a Christian marriage? What does that look like, right? Uh, what does it mean to be a good steward of the finances God has given me? He's spoken to all these things. Um, how should, how should my attitude be with my employer? He's spoken to that. Uh, all of these things are in the Word of God. And so my prayer, and I think how we're going to end this service today, is just praying together, asking the Lord that if we've not been building a solid foundation in our lives, that we would start doing that. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Word. Uh, Lord, we know that um, the book of Romans tells us that these former things that were written were written for our instruction. And so we know that you know, this is not just history. It, it is history that we're reading about, but it's written there for us to learn something. And it's pretty clear from this passage we learn uh, what a life looks like that has no regard for the Word of God. And what a train wreck it is, what a tragedy it is. And it, and it serves as a warning to us, Father. God, I just pray that you'd help each and every one of us to build our life on your Word. Just like Jesus said, help us to be uh, to hear the words of the Lord and then do them. And we know, I mean, we know we won't do it perfectly. But Lord, give us a heart to do 
not just to hear or to take information in. And as we meet with you each day through your word, Lord, give us an open heart, a heart to do your will that day. And uh, Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that uh, Jesus died on the cross for us, that when, when we don't live up to that, We're forgiven. But Lord, we do want to pursue. We do want to do, we do want to pursue righteousness. We do want to pursue being more Christ-like. We want to pursue holiness. Thank you for your spirit you've given us, God. That you empower us to do what you ask, to do what you show us. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness that some of us here, some of us, you know, even listening or watching online may be thinking, my life's in a shambles. And I know it's because it hasn't been built on the foundation of the Word of God. But Lord, I just pray that you'd wrap your arms around that person, those people, if that's where they're at, and say, come. Come into my sheep. My yoke is easy, my easy, my burden is light. Living life my way, the way it was designed. If that's your heart, just tell him that. He certainly honors that. That's his will. He wants you to come to him, put your faith in Christ, and to live for him. We ask in Jesus' name.